Hey, everyone, if you are interested in a career in the culinary industry, please stay tuned for our episode. Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. You're here with Kiki and Kemi. And today we are continuing with our career series. We're joined by one of my colleagues from work. Her name is Beth Thompson-Peace, and she's in the culinary industry. And she has a whole a, a whole host of other things as well. So she's going to give us a lot of great insight into her background, into her career. Um, and if you are actually new to our career series, we have a lot of these now. We've been doing them for several months, but these are just episodes where we want to give everyone or listeners insight into different careers in various industries. So if you haven't listened to any, welcome to the first one. And we hope you go back to listen to others. But Beth, thank you so much for being on here with us. And I'll let you introduce yourself. Thank you for having me on your podcast. My name is Beth Thompson-Peace. I am a culinary chef as well as a pastry chef. Nice. Yeah, very cool. I know, I'm a pastry, my eyes obviously yeah, just no. lighten up. <laughs> so can you please tell us a little bit about your educational background and what made you get into culinary and pastry? Absolutely. So I've always enjoyed cooking and growing up, my father was the cook in the house. My mother learned through the Betty Crocker cookbooks and um, she did well. She fed us. We all thrived. But my dad was... Um, really the creative in the kitchen. And so some of my earliest memories are Saturday mornings. After swim practice, we would come home and have a brunch and my dad would always make homemade biscuits. And with the leftover dough, my brothers and I would be able to make our own um, biscuits. And so we would have different shapes, maybe animals. um, And then he would put a napkin over it and we'd have a big reveal um, at the table. So that was just always a fun, fond memory for me. I've always enjoyed cooking. I feel relaxed and at home in the kitchen. So whenever I'd have a stressful day, I would just come home and make a meal. And I really enjoy sitting down with family or friends and that time together as we enjoy our our nourishment for the day. So I really wanted to go to culinary school right out of high school. So I was in high school in the 80s. And both of my parents worked for IBM. So they were in the business world. And I told them I wanted to go to Europe to go study. And they told me I was crazy. That was not happening. (laughs) Um, That I need to get a business degree. And after that, if I wanted to go to culinary school, they would be glad to send me. But first, I need to get a business degree. So, of course, I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And (laughs) my original degrees are from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And I have degrees in marketing, business administration, and management information systems. So when I first went to school, I started at Wingate, which was a college. It's now a university um, in Wingate, North Carolina. And I was going to be a computer science major, again, just because my parents worked for IBM. And a lot of technology was coming on during that Mm -hmm. time. But I realized very early on 
I would not be able to sit in a room and program ones and zeros and not talk to people. So then I kind of branched off into the management information system so I could kind of be the liaison between the techie types and the management types. And then I went ahead and got the business degree as my parents wanted me to do at that time. And I really enjoyed marketing. So when I graduated in early 90s, I went to work and I worked in the business field for many, many years. So it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I got to realize my dream of going to culinary school. And I had looked at several schools in the area in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I decided to go to Central Piedmont Community College. At that time, I did not know Central Piedmont even had a culinary school. And I think to this day, it's still one of the biggest secrets. We're the (laughs) oldest school. Um, We've been around since the 70s. And so then I was able to embark on my career. I still had young children at home, but they were at least in elementary school at that time. So I spent my days in what I call my stainless steel playground. I absolutely love the kitchen environment. I like that there's a set of rules, that there is a brigade system, there's respect in the kitchen. Um, And I prefer probably hot food more than baking and pastry because you have more creativity. Baking and pastry is very science-driven, so everything has to be weighed out to the grams and exact and um, making sure your temperatures are correct. Where in the hot food kitchen, once you know a cooking method or a sauce method, then you can improvise with your ingredients. So that's where I thrive and enjoy my time. So I was in culinary school and I took a baking class. I said, oh, well, let me go ahead and get a baking degree. So after I finished my two years and got my degree in culinary technology, I went to the bacon and pastry program again at Central Piedmont and um, spent a year there and got my degree in baking pastry as well. Then I started um, as an adjunct instructor for Central Piedmont, and then I came on full-time in our corporate continuing ed program, which is a program for people that are looking to get into the career or the industry. So we do workforce development, and we do personal interest classes. So if someone wanted to come and learn how to make pasta for the day. We could teach them a pasta class or a sushi Mm. class or soups and stocks, Mm. or you just want some fast weeknight (laughs) dinner classes. We have those as well. So it's the fun Mm -hmm. cooking classes for anyone at all levels. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I'm getting hungry already. I haven't had (laughs) breakfast yet. But no, that's very cool. And I, I do remember us talking before, Beth, and you were saying... You pivoted from the business world to culinary. I think that's really cool. And, you know, someone listening may be like, oh, you know, just anyone, whatever dream they may have, they may be like, oh, I can do this at any time. Mm-hmm. Pivoting, pivoting is real, people. Like, it's it's out there. And that's very cool that you found Central Piedmont. And I, I've been always, like, very impressed by the culinary and baking and pastry arts department. The food's always really good. And Beth bakes really, really well, too. I've had some of her bread pudding before. It was really good. Mm. But, yeah, no. great banana pudding. 
I do. Thank you. (laughs) Kiki does have some good uh, banana pudding. We still have like that recipe. We whip it out like in July. I got to figure out how to get the ingredients out here in Mexico. But the banana pudding is momentous. And all my other family's like, oh, we're going to make banana pudding. Like, I got to let you know, that's Kiki's banana pudding. I I can't put my name on it, but she's really good at that, too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That's very cool. And I love to cook, too. Can you can you talk about so I've I've heard from some students and program graduates like that it's just like really cutthroat in the kitchen can you just talk about like what the environment like for a student like what the environment is like and just what like what skills you need to bring into the program like you know as somebody that maybe have experience or somebody that's fresh but just like what's the environment like so I would say the first few things you need to make sure you're punctual so if class starts at nine o'clock you need to be there at 8 50. if you're there at nine mm-hmm. you're already late because you need to be in your full uniform, you need to have your table sanitized and ready to go for instruction. So whether that is in a classroom environment or you are working in the industry, you always need to get there early so when your shift starts, you are ready to begin. Right now, post-COVID, we are having a lot of problems getting products in. So we might not know that there's an avocado shortage or sriracha is getting ready to have another shortage because of the raw product, the chili peppers to make it, we aren't producing enough. So um, you may have a menu, but sometimes you have to adjust if your product does not come in off the truck or from the farmer's market or wherever you're procuring your products from. So I'd say first thing is be punctual. Good hygiene. We're cooking for people. They're ingesting it. That's very intimate to eat and put food into your body. So you want to make sure that you are, you know, clean, working well, and doing sanitation procedures all throughout your shift or in in school. I think the, the most important would be to have a passion for the industry or be open to learning be open to every chef teaches a different way. They have their own nuances. So you might have learned from one chef one way, but when you're in a kitchen with another chef, you follow what that chef is asking you to do. Um, and then study. It's about studying. There's a lot of memorization and there's a lot of math and it's culinary math. So that's what I call old school math. So even when my children, which are now 21 and 25, were in high school and they were doing their algebras and geometries, and I would try to help them with homework, they were like, no, you're not doing it right. I'm like, math is pretty black and white. You know, here's the problem. The answer is a number or mm-hmm. a formula. <clears throat> but the way you get to it is all different ways. So um strong in math fractions especially um when you're breaking down recipes or that recipe the elements are the same whether you're cooking for 10 or 100 so you have to be able to scale that appropriately for the event or the amount of covers coming in for dinner or lunch service um so and read be open, have an open palate. So if you don't like a lot of food, you have to be willing to taste it because you can't really cook with something unless you 
going to know what the texture is going to be, what happens mm-hmm. when you add heat to it, what happens when you add an acid. So a quick formula is you always want some kind of salt, some kind of oil or fat, and then acid. Those are kind of the three combinations when you're, when you're cooking, and um, you need to season accordingly. If you do not like something, for instance, before I went to culinary school, I would only buy skinless, boneless chicken breast. I did not want anything with a bone in it. I didn't want anything with a feather on it. Um, But oddly enough, now one of my favorite parts is butchery of all kinds of whatever animal or fish Mm -hmm. that we're doing. So I had to be open to that. When they put that chicken in front of me, a whole chicken, and, you know, we're going to break this down, I was, you know, kind of terrified because I was used to boneless, skinless, tasteless chicken breast. Um, So be open, have a sharp knife, have the right tools. Um, It doesn't have to be the most expensive knife, but it has to be a sharp knife because a sharp knife is a safe knife in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And endurance. When you're standing for five, six hours in class or working shifts that sometimes could be 14 hours, you're on your feet. You're cleaning probably more than you're actually cooking, prepping more than you're actually cooking. Um, So you have to adhere to the process and drink lots of water because you don't realize how dehydrated you get when you're standing over a hot flame or... You're prepping 50 pounds of potatoes um, and keep yourself entertained. So (laughs) I always have my own race with myself because if you're looking at 50 pounds of potatoes, that's no one really wants Mm -hmm. to do that, honestly, right? But you want to eat your mashed potatoes or your potato duchess. So you you have to do that type of thing. So whether I'd set a timer, I'd just try to make it as interesting as possible. Um... Start out learning the proper techniques and then work on your speed. I think those would be. Yeah, those are great points of advice for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long is the journey if you're studying culinary and how long is the journey if you're studying baking and pastry? There are typically two years to get your degree. So I was able to fast track because I already had degrees. So I didn't have to go and take my gen ed courses. I had already done that previously. So two years with a summer, you can get a degree. But then that's, you don't become a chef as soon as you graduate from culinary school or a pastry mm-hmm. chef as soon as you graduate from Um, bacon and pastry school it takes years to hone your skills and so even though I have been doing this professionally for 13 years I've been cooking for people for 30 plus years and I still have so much to learn there's always new skills new techniques new ways of cooking um, that is exciting in the kitchen and new products So you saying, go ahead, Kimmy. And I just wanted to confirm too. So for, is that the culinary and the, and pastry chef, is that two years combined? So both of them, or is it two years for one and two years for the other? Separately, two years Mm -hmm. for each. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And there's other ways. So you can go to a traditional school. 
I like the trade school simply because in a trade school, you're getting more hands-on real-life experience. Not to say that a trade school is any better than other schools. Um, It's really what you put into it and um, in developing your skills and learning your craft because it it is a craft. But you can also go in working for someone in a restaurant. And if you're wanting to kind of try out the industry, you can go into a restaurant. I would recommend when you're getting interviewed, not only are they interviewing you, but you interview them as well. Are they going to mentor you or are they just going to give you tasks? Because you want to be able to grow and flourish. And then that means also you'd move from one job to another um, after an appropriate amount of time so you can continue to grow. So once you've grown as much as you can in one place, then the hope would be that that chef would lead you in a direction to help you throughout your career or help you learn skills, <clears throat> which sounds mm-hmm. odd because right now, a lot of restaurants are still hurting. There are not enough servers. There's not enough people in the kitchens. There's not enough dishwashers, <clears throat> mm-hmm. et cetera. So right now it's kind of like if you are moving and you have drive we're going to teach you everything you need to know in the in the kitchens and then there's other places that are like oh okay well you're a live person i want to put you in here and i'm just going to make you be a workhorse and not mentor so really be selective of where you will get some type of mentoring for your craft the other thing is an apprentice program so for example with um central piedmont we are members of the American Culinary Federation. And, and what that is, is the governing body in the United States for chefs and pastry chefs, and uh, even people in hospitality. And they have apprentice programs that are two to four years long, where you go in, work under a chef, and then you become an apprentice after X amount of time. So there are a lot of different avenues to get into the industry that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah that's that's awesome that's one of our questions um so you already answered it that's perfect because I, w- I was going to ask that too because i know what would you say would be the difference too with a student getting a bachelor's degree because i know johnson and wales a lot of students may want to go there for a bachelor's in culinary arts or mm-hmm. baking and pastry arts what would you say is maybe the difference between trade school and associates and a student wanting to get a bachelor's in those those fields so i think it's going to depend upon what the end result that you want mm-hmm. in your career so a bachelor's degree and we have articulation programs with johnson and wells where our students can get their associates and then they can go transfer over retain all their credits mm-hmm. um, but the it's more academia versus hands-on so when you're getting your bachelor's or you're getting your master's you're setting yourself up more for you being um, several different programs or several different restaurants because when you get to that level it's not just about cooking very few times are the executive chefs actually in the kitchen cooking 
So executive chefs spend very little time on the line. So they are more in the office. They're procuring the food. They are working with schedules. They're doing human resourcing, cost control. So when you get those higher levels of degrees and classes um, more into cost control and managing because now you're a manager of all your staff as well. And so that would be the main difference mm-hmm. in a bachelor's okay. degree versus a two-year degree. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And not to mention the cost savings. If you go to mm-hmm. grade school for two years, right now, if you're paying anything for community college, you're not doing your homework. There are so many scholarships out there. There are so many grants. Regardless of whether you are eligible for financial aid, if you're not, there are still merit scholarships and all other types of private scholarships for students. So for someone who has had copious amounts of student loans growing up in my husband had three degrees we had we were coming out of college with two hundred thousand dollars plus in student loan debt so go where you can get the experience and not break your bank at the same time mm-hmm. and if that means going getting your two-year degree and then transferring over to the four-year degree I'm a lifelong learner so I Mm-hmm. always agree and and striving whether it's a bachelor's a master's or learning other courses or certificates to continue doing that throughout your life to stay relevant and you know but do your homework mm-hmm. as far as cost yeah and I'm, I'm, my, my mind is turning during this conversation because my nephew he is going to be a senior next year and he wants to do culinary. He's always cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We've taken him, uh, I've taken him already on a tour of a community college that focuses in culinary as well. And mm-hmm. he's trying to get into this internship in the summer so he can actually work in like a kitchen. So I'm trying to think of, okay, I'm trying to examine my nephew, like what are his practices? I know how his mind is. And I love how you mentioned that piece of one side is more academ- academia side and one that's more hands-on. And I'm like, well, for him, I think for his best journey, so Elijah, you better be listening to this podcast. I think his <laughs> the best journey for him is what you mentioned is going to uh, community college first, getting the associate's degree, getting that hands-on experience first, because I think that's what he really is is into and that's what he excels best in. And then mm-hmm. if he's able just to go out, get a job, and then if he wants to a couple years down, down, say, you know, I want to move my way up and be an executive chef or what have you, he could trade he could transfer into a four-year school, maybe even Johnson & Wales, because that's in Rhode mm-hmm. Island as well, mm-hmm. and then get that kind of academic piece and still continue to learn. So I think that that's a very valuable and just a great pathway because you can still save money versus you're jumping kind of ahead of the gun and you're like, I'm not really sure if this is really what I want to do. And so it's more financially feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of going off that to like pathways and kind of thinking um, of the different kinds of aspects of culinary. So you mentioned a, a lot of information in terms of executive chef, kind of HR. Can you, I'm trying to break this into two questions. Can you discuss the different titles 
in culinary school and what they do? And then I'll hold off on that question on my second question. So we'll ask you that one first. (laughs) Okay. So in culinary, there's a brigade system. So you start out with a prep cook. That's someone who is prepping the potatoes, the carrots, the celery, the onions, the cutting of raw ingredients. Then you have um, on the line, you may have a pantry chef. So the pantry chef might be doing the appetizer part or the cold appetizers, the salads. Then you also have someone that's focused on fish cookery, someone that's focused on saute cookery, someone that's um, focused on frying. Um, So there are many, many different levels. There's this chef de partie, the uh, sous chef. The sous chef is the person that's right underneath the executive chef. They're the ones that are really in the kitchen, running the kitchen. So outside of that, you have research and development. You have um, food science. There are so many different avenues dealing with food, manufacturing, packaging, um, you know, the, the farmers or the manufacturers that take the animal and process the animal. There are so many avenues that you can do within our industry that you may not pick up a knife mm-hmm. later on in your career. And then sales, food sales, whether it's someone that works for U.S. Foods or Cisco or International Gourmet Foods, um, someone that supplies all the food for stadiums that's completely different than a restaurant or a little bed and breakfast, um, coffee shop, little cafe. Just the possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that actually goes right into my second question that I had. So what (laughs) are the, where are the different places that chefs can work? Cause you mentioned like a little cafe. I was even thinking of, I remember watching behind the scenes of what goes, uh, what goes on behind the scenes on a cruise line. And I was Mm -hmm. seeing all the chefs back there and I was like, whoa, it looks like a full blown team uh, back there. So I was just (laughs) trying to think of where are the different areas that, you know, maybe some of us can't naturally think of because automatically think of chef, we automatically think of a restaurant. So what Mm -hmm. are some other places that you could kind of mention to, to our audience so we can kind of pique their interest? Sure. So think of anywhere that you go and you eat food. Wherever you go to get food, there's a chef or a cook or someone in the kitchen. So whether that's on a cruise ship where you're feeding thousands of people three times a day plus because it's food 24 hours on on a cruise ship. It could be a high-end restaurant, a Michelin star, or a fine dining restaurant. It could be your fast food, um, Chick-fil-A's. McDonald's, um, Zaxby's, or your mid-restaurants, your smokehouses, Max Speed Shop, or Midwood. Um, it could be on a food truck. We actually started a, a food truck. It's more mm-hmm. of a mobile learning kitchen, but to give our students 
the opportunity to work on the food truck. I think a lot of people are get the rosy glasses because we see Food Network and Cooking.com and being a chef is so glamorous on TV, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not so mm-hmm. much. I mean, it's great. You get the glamour because you enjoy what you do. And, and for me, when I see people eat my food and they have the smile on their face or they're like, oh, this is delicious, that feeds my soul. So that's why I do it. Whereas when I make a wedding cake and I drop it off, I don't get to see people eat that wedding cake. I don't cut the wedding cake. It's it's not as fulfilling for me as being right there to see them eat. Now, in the kitchen, you're cooking. You don't really always get to see your guest enjoying um, unless mm-hmm. you're walking around in, into the dining room. When you're catering, you see it up front because you're out on the line serving as well. Um and I totally forgot your question. I went off on a tangent. Oh, so oh. <laughs> where is, so I think, yeah, it's just wherever there's food, whether it is, you know, a little grill by the pool, there's someone there that's, that's mm-hmm. cooking and, and taking your food orders and, and preparing the food for you. Perfect. And then I was even thinking too, like there's certain markets that have, I think actually you mentioned that already too, because there's certain markets that have like the warm food sections. So the food's mm-hmm. already prepped. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned mm-hmm. that as well too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, I'm amazed with Quick Trip. And it's so bizarre because yeah, yeah. you're a chef, and, but I like their pizza. You know? <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. But I mean, you think about that, they're back there cooking and, and, other areas like the airport, when you're eating your airplane food, you're, you have chefs that are preparing that or cooks that are preparing that before it goes onto the planes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just every area that there is. And, and also being a caterer, there's a difference between someone who caters and who's a private chef. So I do both of those. Mm-hmm. So a private chef is someone who goes into someone's home. They create their meal, plan for the client, and you're using their pots, their pans, you're cooking in their particular kitchen. When you're a caterer, you need to have a commercial kitchen. So you cannot cook legally in your home as a caterer, you can do baked goods. So like the agriculture department came into my house and then they inspected my house so I could cook pastry items. So when I was Mm. selling some of my food at a farmer's market, I was able to do it within my house because it was agriculture and it was baking, but it wasn't something that is a time temperature controlled food, right? So your, your proteins, your meats, because you don't know, you have to have them held at specific temperatures to right. make sure that they are safe to be ingested. And there's four-hour time limits. So when you are catering, you need a commercial kitchen to go into. And I've used the commercial kitchen. So I've been fortunate to be able to use a church kitchen because they are inspected by the health department. So then mm-hmm. I've worked out. But there's also what they call ghost kitchens. And that might be a kitchen facility where six or seven types of food come out of it. Um, Or there are 
commissary kitchens where you rent a space and you rent space in the refrigerator or the freezer and you do all your prep and cook out of those. Mm, that's really interesting that you mentioned the ghost kitchen as well. Cause I remember there was one place back at home and they were, had like different, they didn't really have like an official store shop. And I was wondering, mm. I was like, how are they able to bring their food here when there looks like there's not even really a shop set up in the back? I think mm. the, place operated as a ghost kitchen and then mm -hmm. they had small storefronts so that way people would do the kitchen work in the back then bring it to the small front in the front of the store mm -hmm. so that's really interesting that you say that because usually we don't you know we're the people that are just eating the food we don't really understand the whole back process of how right. things work and even thinking outside the box too, like you said you work um you were actually able to get a space at a church and utilize their facility like that's just so smart you know it's so mm -hmm. there's so many different things that you can do to in order to have your own kind of business and cater as well because i think some people are probably like well if i want to become a caterer i don't have it what should i do but i just mm -hmm. like how you mentioned all those different opportunities that people can um can utilize to do their own kind of entrepreneurship Right. And I think that's important. So when I teach my personal chef or catering classes, people come to us all the time. I make the best cupcakes and everyone loves them and I'm going to start a cupcake business. And that's fantastic that you have wonderful cupcakes and flavor. But what people don't realize is there's a lot of money that's involved. So it's not just making those cupcakes. It is you got to pay for sewer, you got to pay for trash, you got to pay for a commissary kitchen. If you don't have your kitchen isn't the right environment where you're cooking from home. But if you rent that space, you're also paying the heating and the air. What happens? You need insurance. I carry $2 million insurance policy um, mm. in the event that someone were to get sick, you know, you got to make sure that you're getting all your product from a purveyor that is reputable as well so you're not going to be going down to the walmart or the local grocery store and buying your flour and your sugar to make cupcakes you're now going to the u.s foods the restaurant depots or other um, places or having a truck come to you and delivering 50 pound bags of product then how do you store that product? Oh, now I need storage containers, and those are expensive. And people don't realize the paper products. So the little case that you get your cupcake in, that little clamshell might be 30 cents. Well, did I put mm -hmm. that in for each of my things? Oh, now I need to get a fork. Now I need to get a napkin. Do I mm -hmm. get the expensive napkins? Do I get the cheap ones, you know? Um, when you go through a fast food place or for example, I just get a Chick-fil-A. So what kind of sauces would you like? How many would you like? You're not getting a bag full of ketchup. You're getting that one honey mustard, that one ketchup, because mm. that's, that's money walking out the door. True. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good things to think about. I agree with what Kemi said, too. Just we, and you said it too, Beth, like we see like the glamour side and I just go eat places. I like to eat. So I just go and I'm like, oh, can I have five Chick-fil-A sauces, please? You know, I don't think about stuff like that. But this is good for, you know, anyone who is interested in the industry, just to know like all the all the intricacies that go into working in as a chef or in the culinary industry, because yeah, even like I think it's cool. So I'll just say when um I've been able to go to is it called the Greenway restaurant? Yes. 
mm-hmm. on campus. And it's really cool because we get to see the students like working in the kitchen and they also have the hospitality side. It's really, it's just like really amazing because I'm like, oh, okay, like I see how fast everyone's working to bring out like the food that we just, you know, we're going to just eat it and enjoy it. But they're like working hard. But I think it's just so cool that we get to watch the students like in action as well. So yeah, it, it just shows me and I'm like hearing you too. Like there's a lot that, a lot, a lot that goes into it. That it's good for people to be like, they're listening to hear. Like it's not just, you just go cook and like you have to, like you said, it's like the purchasing of goods, purchasing of all these goods and cooking and all the process that goes into it. So I think that's great that you shared it. Man, mm-hmm. I'm still hungry now. I know me too. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you don't want your guests to see that back of the house, right? That's why it's the back of the house. The doors are shut. Yes. You yeah. want them to see that beautiful plate, have wonderful food, the front of the house, the servers, the bartenders, the host, the hostess, um, take care of them and their service needs. And that's... You know, when you go and you spend your money at an establishment, it's not only having good food, but it's service. And there's a lot of times that people will not frequent someone because mm-hmm. food might be fantastic, but the service is not up to par. Yes. And people are very specific about how they send, spend their funds now. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Mm-hmm. I think I have one other question. Um just to kind of clear the air a little bit about this, because I feel like this is, might be a common question for some people who are, let's say they are in high school and they want to do culinary and maybe their parent is thinking, well, maybe you should go to business first to understand the business side of it. If you want to open a business first, would you still encourage them to at least pursue culinary first? Because it kind of was sounding as though, like you have like a catering class and it shows you and tells you the other stuff that you need to keep in mind as well versus mm-hmm. just straight going excuse me to a business school so is there more of a in addition to cooking because obviously that's culinary but is there a lot of those other pieces as well that help you understand the business out of culinary uh, when you're taking a associate's degree there is and it will be grazing the surface Right. So you will learn how to food cost and you will learn how to menu design in a culinary degree, at least with our program. We offer that. Um, And I think the environment has changed. So when I was growing up, you stayed in your industry Mm -hmm. for a long time. Right. Now, and I see it through my girls who are One's getting ready to graduate with her master. The other one's in her third year of college. They don't see a lifelong in one particular area. They they change. So mm-hmm. I think my advice would be different now in today's environment. Go and see if that is the industry that you like. You know, do you enjoy it? Are you ready to work the long hours for not as much pay as someone with an IT degree, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then you can always go back and supplement or you can get that four-year degree where you're picking up those business classes. But at the end of the day, if you don't like the environment being in the kitchen, it's better to know early on than later on. Mm -hmm. I want to add that to that too. So, 
She's like my little niece. She goes to a local high school here. I'm sure you know about this program, Beth, but she goes to a local pro- uh, high school and they have like a culinary program. Mm-hmm. So she's in 10th grade now, I think. So like her whole high school career will be her like learning culinary skills. And she already has like her safe serve, I think it's called mm-hmm. license. I think that's really cool. But that's, serve safe. I was, yeah. I was just, thank you, serve safe. Um, but I was just thinking like, if a parent is listening and they're like, how do I get my, my child like really enjoys it? Like, you know, you mentioned like Elijah likes cooking. I know he's about to graduate, but if they're like showing interest, like maybe looking for local high schools or just local programs that can let them at least see what what it's like. Cause she really enjoys it. She bakes really well too. She's like learning how to cook and everything. And I think that's really cool at, you know, 14, 15 to be able to be immersed in what that what that industry is like. And that's for any any, any industry. If there's schools, high schools that have that, I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of high schools are going to that cluster program. So mm-hmm. for example, uh, Chef Deidre Mallow, which we actually went to culinary school together, we're well, baking and pastry school together at, at Central Piedmont. And I just spent some time with her students a couple of weeks ago because they're part of the Pro Start program. So that is the culinary one, two and three program in the high school. And they were doing their first competition. So I went in to help them tweak. And congratulations to Chef Mallow and her team because they got first place and they're getting ready to go to nationals. So that is very exciting. But there are a lot of pathways. So if the high school does have a culinary program, that's a great way to introduce yourself. Also, a lot of the community colleges have middle college now. So in those Mm -hmm. middle college programs, you can be finishing up your high school degree, but take college courses. So then you can go into the culinary side and do that as well. Um, And then there are also summer programs that you can take to learn. And then we have at Central Piedmont, an accelerated career training program. So one of the programs I oversee is the Fundamental of Foods, and that is a 10-week program, and the goal of that program is to get that student SurfSafe certified, to learn about the commercial kitchen, basic cooking skills, so they would be able to go work in an industry, whether it be a restaurant, a hotel, um, after that 10-week as an entry-level prep cook. They're not going to be on the line cooking after 10 weeks, but that offers them, you know, that experience. And fortunately, the accelerated career training program is all scholarship funded. So that's mm-hmm. paying for their knife kits, that's paying for their uniforms and their instruction. And we do teach them surf safe. So they're certified when they go out into the industry. That's another resume builder for them. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. This is cool. Just like to hear there's, there's so many different avenues to get into culinary. This is one. Of, yeah, this has been really, really cool. Oh, I have one more question before we close. It's more of a silly question. Not really silly, but what's your favorite thing to make, whether that's cooking or baking? People ask me this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it really depends on, on what, what I'm doing right now. I am on a Korean food kick. So I love Asian food and kind of doing a fusion between Asian and American food right now. So that Hmm. that would probably be where I am at this point. 
Okay. I like it. Mm. I love fusion food. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's actually this restaurant um, like oh, 10, yeah, minute, 10 minutes away from me. It's called Maya de Asia. And it's a combination of Yucatecan food and Asian food. And they make this pad thai. And it is my favorite pad thai. And they use like chorizo in it and pork yes. and um, pork belly in it. Oh, man, it is the best combination of <laughs> fusion I've ever had in my life. I love fusion foods. And I yes. think what also came to my mind, too, was when you first said you were young and you were like, I want to travel to Europe so I can uh, study culinary. In my head, I was rooting for you. I was like, that sounds so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been fortunate that I've been able to go and take some classes over in Europe. Oh, nice. That's amazing. Yeah, and a lot of that I did as a student at Central Piedmont. So mm. I went to probably 10 countries over my time as a student, and then I've been back wow. since then. So study abroad. I always encourage people, study mm -hmm. abroad, even if it is you're in culinary and they're having some, you know, a humanities course in Spain will go enjoy the food, enjoy yes. the culture, because that's... Food brings everyone together. I really mm -hmm. believe that. Absolutely. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Beth. This has been such a rewarding podcast. I know for episode, especially for me, I'm gonna I'm about to text my nephew right now. I'm like, you need to listen to this episode once I drop it. <laughs> <laughs> it it's just answered a lot of questions and I think it's kind of the right path for him. He really enjoys food and that, and it's just a, a great uh career field that you can get in in many different ways. So I really think mm -hmm. this will be so beneficial for him to hear. I think this episode will be very beneficial for anybody who is into baking. I mean, you had me thinking for a second, maybe I should go back and do baking. But, <laughs> 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 but I think that overall, this is just such a helpful episode. I hope that uh, a lot of high schoolers and parents are listening in. Uh, thank you listeners for listening to this episode. Make sure you listen to the other episodes that we have as well for different careers. So you can get an inside look of what they actually do. And if it's something that piques your interest, um, Oh, also, Beth, do you have, I, know you said, I think you said you're also a private chef. Do you have any plugs that you want to share with us as we're ending? Um, no, but thank you. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my main job's at Central Piedmont, so then I do everything else on the side. So, oh, I've yeah, been very good. fortunate that I've never had to advertise, which is just mm. a, a fluke. Good luck. I don't know how to describe it. But for me, I didn't want to set up, and I do custom menus for all of my clients. So I don't have the website because I didn't want people to want my services and me not be available. So right. I think also, mm -hmm. you know, be wise with your marketing of what you can handle and market appropriately for that. So, but thank mm -hmm. you for asking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get it. It allows you to have that balance too. You're like, I don't really need it. I have a good balance right now. I totally yes. get it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but thank you so much, Beth. And thank you for thank everybody you. listening to this podcast episode. Please make sure to follow us on our Instagram, TikTok. If you have any requests for other careers you'd like to hear, please make sure to email us at our yasunpodcast.gmail.com. Um, if you feel less, if you feel blessed to contribute to our podcast, we have a Venmo in the show notes, but other than that, we will see you in the next one. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also, show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.